Persistence and focus have paid off for one Labor Department policy advisor. His beat for 23 years of federal service has been access for people with disabilities, access to transportation, jobs, and technology at the federal and state levels. For his work, he's a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. Supervisory policy advisor Michael Reardon joins me now. Mr. Reardon, good to have you with us. Nice to be here, Tom. And tell us what has driven your focus all of these many years on this particular topic. So, I mean, I always had a, a tremendous interest in, in disability. I don't have a disability myself, but it's as a policy area. I can't think of one that's more attractive, not only to me, but in terms of state and local policymakers, federal policymakers, et cetera. When you talk about people with disabilities, getting jobs, it's a, it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win-win for the person with a disability, obviously, for their families, and for the state and local levels who are otherwise would have to basically pay benefits to individuals who could otherwise be employed. And if you go back 23 years to when you started in this work for the federal government, that was still a good 25 years after the Americans with Disability Act and so you found still a lot of areas where work needed to be done? Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only where it needed to be done, but, but how it needed to be done. So just as an example, we're a very small policy office. We have, In terms of federal government standards, we're not very rich and we're not very big. And so we employ a number of strategies in order to be able to hit above our weight. And so one of those strategies is what I call pathing trains. So we look for those issue areas and those trends that are going to have a big impact on everyone and try to jump in and add a, a, an employment and disability component to those trends. So we, for instance, on technology, technology is here with us today. It's, it's going to expand every year for the foreseeable future. We want to make sure that that future is an accessible and an inclusive future for people with disabilities. So we work very closely with technology companies and technology associations, for instance, to make sure that what they do is accessible to everyone. And that benefits, obviously, people with disabilities in a number of ways, including their ability to get and maintain jobs. Right. So as websites have become more complex to navigate and as technology gets more sophisticated, the advent of the smartphone, for example, came you know, while you were doing your work. That's the kind of thing where you got to make sure that those developments take accessibility along with them. Yeah, exactly right. So when we started, we have an initiative called the Partnership on Employment and Accessible Technology, or PEAT. And uh, we, we started in, in the realm of information and communication technology, you know, technology used on the job and at home, the technology that we're using right now as we speak to each other. And we wanted to make sure that that was not inadvertently inaccessible to people, you know, who have vision disabilities or cognitive disabilities, et cetera. And what we found is the tech companies were incredibly responsive to that. And just to give one small example, at one time Oracle, which is a huge tech company that had owned about 80% of the market share for online job application software, a lot of their technology was, was inaccessible. So you would, if you had a vision disability, for instance, the text that you're going through wasn't necessarily lined up with the text that other people saw on paper. Or if you had a physical disability, you might be inadvertently timed out 
because it took you longer to get through the process, etc. Once Oracle was made aware by us of those issues, what was an inaccessible technology to really thousands, if not millions of people, all of a sudden became accessible. And so it greatly increased the likelihood that a person with a disability was able to get through that initial process that is not seen by a human being. It's computer generated. And so that they weren't inadvertently, again, excluded from job opportunities. Now, with the advent of artificial intelligence and machine learning and virtual realities, et cetera, we're in the realm of emerging technologies, and we want to make sure that those technologies, again, don't inadvertently exclude people with disabilities because people with disabilities, for instance, aren't a part of the data sets that are used in the artificial intelligence. And so we're working with a different set of technology companies and associations to start addressing those areas. We're speaking with Michael Reardon. He's a supervisory policy advisor at the Labor Department and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. Now, technology very often is a matter, accessibility is a matter of just programming and software and that little bit of effort. They can do a lot. What about transportation, architecture, some of those areas where the physical manifestation is expensive and difficult to re-engineer or rebuild for access? How have you found that over the years? Right. And that's another actually great example of the work that I think we do as a small agency to try to influence our richer and bigger brothers and sisters. So we work very closely with the Department of Transportation uh, in making sure that the programs that they develop, including a lot of the new programs that are developed under all of this infrastructure money coming out, are accessible to people with disability and inclusive of job seekers with disabilities, right? So we have developed a couple of different, there are a lot of acronyms, obviously, in the federal government, and we have our share, but something called the United We Ride, UWR, in which we have been able to work with the Department of Transportation, and they developed new programs that were more inclusive of people with disabilities seeking employment at the local level, so making sure that all the the buses and the subway platforms and the railway platforms, et cetera, are accessible, and that the job market that's coming out of the new infrastructure programs are inclusive of people with disabilities, right? So we want to make sure that any new mega transit program is inclusive of people of color, uh, people of different you know, ethnic backgrounds, et cetera, but also inclusive of people with disabilities. And to do that, you have to focus on people with disabilities as job seekers and also make sure that what you're doing is inclusive, both electronically and physically. And so the Department of Transportation, for instance, has a big project right now to make subway platforms accessible, and we're very much involved in that to making sure that those programs are inclusive of people with disabilities, and some of the people that are advising them on that are people with disabilities. Another really quick example is on uh, autonomous vehicles. Obviously, autonomous vehicles are on their way. They're not here yet to a large extent, but we want to make sure that when they are, that the, the cars themselves are accessible to not just people with physical disabilities, but sensory disabilities, cognitive disabilities, et cetera, and that the infrastructure around those cars are also accessible. So where you pick up that autonomous vehicle, that site is accessible. And a a person with a vision disability, for instance, would know how and when to get into the car and to do it safely. Sure. Just uh, wanted to point out with the subway accessibility issue, the platforms aren't bad. It's getting to the platforms half the time that is the issue, correct? 
Yes, absolutely. Depends on the city, too. Chicago has you know, many more issues because their system is older than Washington, D.C., for instance. But you're right. If you can't get down to the platform or up to the platform, it doesn't matter how accessible the rest of your system is. Yes. It, it has to all work together. You mind the gap when you can get to the gap. And over the years, yeah. would you say the aperture has widened to what types of disabilities can be countered and made accessible. I think early on it was simply assumed people that had mobility issues, say wheelchair-bound people, this kind of thing. But now we're talking about different, a wide range of disabilities for people that nevertheless have abilities to contribute. Yeah, that's an excellent point. A, a lot of times, you know, people get visions in their minds when you talk about certain groups of people. And, and when you talk about a person with a disability, the vision most people probably get in mind is a person in a wheelchair. There are a lot of people uh, who use wheelchairs in the United States who have disabilities, obviously, but there are a lot more who don't. You know, you can have a cognitive disability, you can have mental health-related issues, you can have sensory disabilities, you know, blindness and, and deafness, etc. You can have neurological disabilities. It, it runs the gamut. What we are, you know, we constantly talk to employers and what they forget sometimes is when we talk about hiring people with disabilities and supporting and promoting people with disabilities they often forget that a lot of people that they're already employing have disabilities they just may not be aware of it or don't think of it in those terms so if you have a mental health disability or a substance abuse disability etc you still have a disability and so it's it's a, a very broad spectrum of the population. For Americans alone, it's, it's around 50 million people. And I'm going to speak a little out of school here. Recently, you had a broken leg, and so were rendered <laughs> on crutches and so forth for a while. It must have been gratifying to understand personally how the work you've done manifests itself in daily life. Yes, actually, it, it is interesting, given that I've been doing this, you know, for more than 25 years, and a lot of you know, the systems that we're trying to make accessible. It's, it's nice in some ways to see that they are. Or when you travel overseas, to tell you the truth, it's to see, you know, what the United States has done in terms of accessibility versus some of the other countries. Mostly good. In some cases, we're not as advanced. But, but you do get a perspective of what it's like to live that way for a very brief time. Um, and, and I'm not equating, you know, my life at all to someone who has to deal with that on an ongoing basis. But you do get an appreciation for how complicated it is when you talk about, you know, trying to get a job and getting that job. And once you get that job, you know, getting up in the morning and getting to the job, being able to use the equipment while you're on the job, et cetera. It's like a house of cards for a lot of people with disabilities. They don't need a lot. But if you take one of those cards away, and it could be access to child care or access to personal assistance or access to transportation or access to technology, then it all comes tumbling down. And so that's why it's, it's a constant look at how do we remove barriers to employment that a lot of us take for granted. But for some people with disabilities, add that extra layer of complication. Michael Reardon is a supervisory policy advisor at the Labor Department and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate it. And we'll post this interview along with all of our Sammy's interviews at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts.